This episode of Writing Excuses has been brought to you by our listeners, patrons, and friends. If you would like to learn how to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash writing excuses. Season 13, Episode 7. This is Writing Excuses. What do writers get wrong? With Lou Perry. 15 minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. And I'm ready to learn something. And we have special guest star Lou. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. Thank you for being on the podcast. We are again live at Gen Con. All right, so Lou, in order to make our audience understand that you don't exist along a single axis, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Well, I'm, I'm here because I'm a lawyer, but I'm also uh, a father and a husband, a writer, a reader. And as of a few months ago, I got way too into eight and under girls softball. I became a <laughs> rabid, rabid fan. <laughs> So what are we going to be focusing on today? Unfortunately, not the softball. We're going to be focusing on the law and and what you folks get wrong with it. So (laughs) what writers get wrong with law? Uh, This is probably a long, long, long list. We'd probably need an hour to get to all of them. And an attorney. (laughs) I mean, like, representation. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's gotten to the point for me where I, I don't watch legal shows. I try not to read anything that has anything to do with the law. And I've closed books before when that comes is, up, is and I there wasn't expecting one it. particular cliche or pet peeve that stands out above the others that you're just like that again. Yeah, uh, objecting with no basis, <laughs> and then the judge making a ruling with no basis. <laughs> Tell us Objection, more. Objection. Yeah, sustained. We're we're just we're just okay. we're just idiots. What do, you, what do you mean by that? So uh, oftentimes in trial, somebody will be making an argument, and uh, the opposing counsel will object. And there are bases for objection. There's rules of evidence, um, and in the lazier pieces of fiction, what you find is people just randomly objecting, and they're randomly being rulings on those objections, not based on any reason. So, in in the real world, yes. Um, what would an objection sound like? Uh, objection, leading the witness. Now, you actually have to be leading the witness to have that objection, and it has to be on direct examination, not cross-examination. A lot of times I see, especially in TV shows, prosecutors will be objecting to a defense counsel who is, is leading a witness, but the witness is the prosecutor's witness. So you, you are allowed to lead opposing witnesses. You're also allowed to be argumentative with opposing witnesses because that's what cross-examination is. Got it. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so so then when the judge does the sustained or or doesn't, when you say that there's a ruling, I take it that that's more than just that one word. He would actually... It, he, he usually will, will make a, a more robust ruling. Sometimes there will end up being a ruling in writing. Sometimes there'll be a recess. Um, sometimes... There will be a conference without, outside of the jury, and they'll come to a, you know, the attorneys will come to some agreement, um, and sometimes there will just be a so does an it happen ruling where there's like you know objection overruled, objection sustained, like over and over again. Does that just not happen? I, like I've never get... seen that happen. So, <laughs> so that happen. what you're saying is that the law is really complicated. It's very complicated. What? Yes. <laughs> what, you're, it, what you're also saying is that unless we've been in a courtroom. We've never seen anything remotely like <laughs> I, I, a real trial. I think that's correct. 
Is is there anything among lawyers that you're like, oh, this one, this one actually has it mostly right? You mean in terms of fiction that I've... I yeah. Mean, um, fiction or, or film, media, any... Uh, John Grisham does an okay job. He, he was actually a lawyer. He, he knows what he's doing, but he's making choices to serve the narrative, which sometimes annoys me. <laughs> <laughs> but he gets it right more often than he gets it wrong. Okay. He does get it wrong, but I think it's on purpose. Mm-hmm. That's, that's actually a good point to make, that sometimes even as an expert, you do need to make choices in, in favor of the narrative over accuracy. Absolutely. Um, but you will lose some readers yeah, every time yeah, you do will. that. And uh, often finding the middle ground is the best thing to do. Saying, all right, let's indicate that the real thing happened kind of between scenes or off screen or hint at it and things like this so that the person who is an expert can look at it and be like, all right, it's okay. They're covering their bases. Um, I can go on and enjoy this. What are some of the things that signal to you? And I mean, you, you've said that you will already just not read a book if there appears to be legal stuff in there. But are there are there early indicators that uh, that this one this one might be okay? I do the same thing. Like I avoid puppet books for the same reason. Um, an early indicator, I think, would be uh, the author's bio. Maybe the author's <laughs> bio. But if I am in a book where this where legal things are happening, if if they're getting just the general sense that these things take time, there's no you know big surprise thing happening in a in a in a legal action that's going to ultimately you know cause the case to to speed up. Things go very slow. If that's happening, I can generally get on board with it. But at this point, I have just kind of given up. So. So what are some other things, because one of the things I, I have to admit that I really enjoy about this particular series is watching people rant about things. <laughs> <laughs> what, are, what are some other pet peeves that you uh, have? Sure. Uh, you know, fiery closing arguments. Uh, those tend to really annoy the judges, I think. Really? Uh, Why now, is that? Uh, be- because they think you're imitating law and order. and and, and they probably feel much like i do about law and order they they probably hate it um the 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 trick there though is your client really likes it because they've also seen law and order (laughs) (laughs) so 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 those fiery closing arguments do happen um so television is why we can't have nice things television is why we can't have nice things correct i remember i was on jury duty several years ago and, you know, was surprised by how different it was from what I thought it was going to be. But that was one of the things that really stood out to me was the, the really slow, boring, meticulous lawyer absolutely won that case. He didn't give the big fiery speech and he wasn't trying to be charismatic. He was just trying to present his case as thoroughly and relentlessly as possible. I think that's right. That's usually the way it should be done. Now, is it different when, when you have, uh, when you're, Talking to judge versus talking to jury? Uh, a bench trial would be very different. Um, I, I think you would find both parties, both lawyers, doing exactly what Dan was talking about, being very meticulous and um, understanding that the judge has seen this all a thousand times and you're not going to impress him with some turn of phrase or some, some fiery speech. Um, j- juries are just another, another factor that you have to put in. You have to understand who, who you have in your jury and whether or not they're going to respond to that sort of thing. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Let's go ahead and stop for our book of the week. Um, and you are going to pitch a book to us. I, I am going to pitch a book. Uh, the book I'm pitching is called Ghoulajah by uh, an Indiana native named Clint Smith. It's out from Hippocampus Press. Uh, it's it's uh, Midwestern weird fiction, short stories, uh, very good stuff, kind of kind of literary, also kind of kind of schlocky and fun in parts, and uh, I, I really enjoyed it, and I, th- I think everybody else would too. Awesome. Yeah. Well, let me ask you a question on that. Can a uh, lawyer or law fiction or things like that get so schlocky that you can enjoy it again? Can it just be so far off? Uh, I think the Frank Castle scene in Daredevil was so far off and, and so goofy and just so wrong and, and so <laughs> angering that I, I came around to the other side and sort of <laughs> Okay. Okay. I don't I, know that that was what Brandon was hoping for. <laughs> I, I have to admit that I'm surprised that you watched Daredevil at all. I, well, I, I, you know, there's there's a fundamental tension when when it's, when it's involving comic book uh. <laughs> heroes from from my childhood. So I, I will watch that. I mean, that also had ninjas and stuff. Uh, fair, fair. <laughs> now, so. now that that's a question. Let me ask really quick because I remember years and years ago being in a in a Worldcon panel about fencing where people were just griping about how bad the fencing was in Princess Bride. But then at the end of the panel, one of the people asked, okay, but be honest, how many of you got into fencing because of Princess Bride? And every member of the panel raised their hand. <laughs> so, like, what, what, what are some of the, the, I mean, is that how you got into law in some ways? Uh, n- no, I, I, I got into law. I was an English major in undergrad. and um, <laughs> Realized you wanted to make some money. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I wasn't finding much uh, in, in the way of the job market, and I, I went to law school, and uh, it turned out to be the right fit. Um, I think writing and the law kind of go, go hand in hand. Um, I found I did pretty well in law school, not because I was the smartest uh, or, or the, the, the best student, but I think I was a better writer than some, and that was due to the English degree and due to you know, always, always reading. It's amazing how much good written communication can jumpstart your career in any field where people <laughs> at work think for a living. That's yeah. right. When I was in uh, my degree program, the English major, one of the number one follow-ups to an English major was a law degree, um, hmm. which I just shocked me because I'm like, isn't everyone here to read Jane Austen and Dance Through the Flowers? <laughs> um, that's why I was there. Uh, but apparently the, that's, a, that's a really good preparation for a law degree, which, which should alone tell us a little bit more, a little bit about how different being an attorney is from how it's presented. Now, one of the things that I understand is that there are multiple different types of attorneys. Yes. So can you kind of break down some of the, the things? Because I think that a lot of people, one of the mistakes that I will see is that they, they think that all attorneys are the same thing. That if you do corporate law, it's the same thing as being trial law. It's the same thing as... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it really depends on where, where you're living. Uh, if you're in a you know, smaller town, you're going to do a lot of stuff. You're going to be a general practitioner. If, if you're in a bigger city, 
there's a good chance you're going to be in a, a decent-sized firm and you're going to be specializing in one certain thing. Maybe it's corporate law. I, I do intellectual property litigation. Um, it could be, you know, nonprofit law. Uh, but generally, everybody has kind of a niche practice. Um, but then you you go out into the smaller counties in Indiana, and and those guys do everything. They do criminal hmm. law. They do corporate law. They they do IP law, and um, they they do some of it better than other portions of it, but they, they just do it all. So let's say, since you have admitted that you will avoid them like the plague, what would make you, like, if, if one of our writers did this, it, what would make you go, I would read it if you did this? See, th- that's, a, that's a tough question, because if you got the law right, it would be a very, very boring story. <laughs> well, here's, I guess to, to approach it to approach it differently. What if you know there, you have you have a story that's you know overwhelmingly in a different area, and the story crosses through at some point a courtroom? What pieces of the courtroom? What pieces of that activity can I show that will convince you that this is okay? Um, without boring my readers to absolute tears. I I think a cross-examination of a dishonest witness is a very fun thing to do and to watch. But it's got to be done in a not terribly dramatic way, but I think there are a lot of ways to to build tension and to to get a lot of character across and also to tell a lot of story through what's being said and not said. So given that we, we don't have much time here and can't necessarily go into it all right now, what are some good resources that our listeners could look to to find out how to do something like that correctly? I, you know, I, I think if you go to your local county courthouse and just sit around and watch a trial, I, I think that would be a very good thing to do. Um, you can get deposition transcripts. You can read those. That's probably not the most scintillating reading, but... <laughs> Uh, it, it, it's they're they're all out there. A lot of stuff's online. Um, that's what I would do. Excellent. Well, we're out of time, but you did have uh, I, some homework. I for did, us. and it's going to be very unpopular. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best good. So, <laughs> I was thinking about this, and I, I I'm going to suggest that everybody go out and pick a Supreme Court opinion, preferably where Justice Scalia is dissenting. Read it. Read the opinion that that's likely written by, by Ruth Bader Ginsburg and then read Justice Scalia's dissent and try to keep an open mind about what he's saying and why he's saying it um, and also pay attention to the law that's at issue. And I, I think you'll find that, that you can see where he's coming from and you can see where Ginsburg is coming from and you can see the fundamental problem with the law as written. Excellent. Cool. Wow. Cool. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lou, for being on the podcast with us. Thank you to our audience. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. Writing Excuses is a Dragonsteel production, jointly hosted by Brandon Sanderson, Dan Wells, Mary Robinette Kowal, and Howard Taylor. This episode was mastered by Alex Jackson. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. 
They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus.